Chapter Ten of the Vicar of Rexhill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Vicar of Rexhill by Francis Milton Trollope. Chapter Ten. Mrs. Mowbray consults Mr. Cartwright upon the subject of her late husband's will. The first person they encountered on entering the house was Fanny. "'Where have you been?' she exclaimed. "'My mother is half-frightened to death. "'Do go to her this moment, Helen, to set her heart at ease.' "'Where is she, Fanny?' inquired Helen, with a sigh, "'as she remembered how little the answers she must necessarily give "'to the questions she would be sure to ask "'were likely to produce that effect. "'In her dressing-room, Helen, but where have you been?' "'To Oakley.' "'Good gracious, Helen, and without asking mamma's leave?' i did it with good intention fanny do you think i was wrong in endeavouring to restore the intimacy that has been so cruelly interrupted do you think mamma will be very angry i am sure it was chiefly for her sake that i went no i am sure she will not when you tell her that but come directly i do assure you she has been seriously uneasy did you find sir gilbert very savage rosalind Palmall, my dear another moment brought them to mrs mowbray thank heaven was her first exclamation on seeing them and the repetition of fanny's emphatic where have you been followed it dearest mother said helen fondly embracing her do not chide us very severely even if we have been wrong for indeed we meant to be very very right and when we set out the expedition appeared to us anything but a pleasant one we have been to oakley i am too thankful at seeing you returned in safety my dear girls to be very angry at anything but do tell me helen what could have induced you to volunteer a visit to the only people who have been unkind to us since your poor father's death in the hope mamma of putting an end to an estrangement which i thought was very painful to you dearest helen it was just like you and have you succeeded my love no mamma i have not mrs mowbray coloured and pray helen have they explained to you the cause of their extraordinary and most unfeeling conduct do not say they dearest mother lady harrington is greatly distressed at sir gilbert's conduct so is the colonel who has just come home whatever fault there may be it is sir gilbert's alone did he then explain himself to you helen remained silent i must request helen resumed her mother that you make no farther mystery about the harringtons i am willing to excuse the strange step you took this morning but i shall be seriously displeased if you refuse to tell me what passed during your visit of what is it that sir gilbert accuses me i pointed out to him mamma the injustice of being angry with you because papa made a will that he did not approve well helen and what did he say to that upon my word mamma i could not find a shadow of reason in anything he said you evade my questions helen i insist upon knowing what it is that sir gilbert lays to my charge helen do you refuse to answer me oh no mamma but you cannot think how painful it would be for me to repeat it i cannot help it helen you have brought this pain on yourself by your very unadvised visit of this morning but since you have gone to the house of one who has declared himself my enemy you must let me know exactly what it is he has chosen to accuse me of unless you mean that i should imagine you wish to shield him from my resentment because you think him right oh my mother cried helen what a word is that well then do not trifle with me any longer but repeat at once all that you heard him say thus urged poor helen stated sir gilbert's very unjust suspicions respecting the influence used to induce mr mowbray to make the will he had left it was in vain she endeavoured to modify and soften the accusation the resentment and indignation of mrs mowbray were unbounded and helen had the deep mortification of perceiving that the only result of her enterprise was to have rendered the breach she so greatly wished to repair a hundred times wider than before 
and this the man with these base and vile suspicions is the person your father has left as joint executor with me what a situation does this place me in did he make any allusion to this helen did he say anything of the necessary business that we have most unfortunately to transact together no mamma he did not a long silence followed this question and answer mrs mowbray appeared to suffer greatly and in fact she did so nothing could be farther from the truth than the idea sir gilbert harrington had conceived and its injustice revolted and irritated her to a degree that she never before experienced against any human being that helen should have listened to such an accusation pained her extremely and a feeling in some degree allied to displeasure against her mingled with the disagreeable meditations in which she was plunged my head aches dreadfully she said at last fanny give me my shawl and parasol i will try what a walk in the fresh air will do for me may i go with you mamma said helen no my dear you have had quite walking enough fanny has not been out at all she may come with me these words were both natural and reasonable but there was something in them that smote helen to the heart she fondly loved her mother and for the first time she suspected that her heart and feelings were not understood mrs mowbray and fanny had just walked through the library windows into the garden when they perceived mr cartwright approaching the house they both uttered an exclamation of pleasure at perceiving him and fanny said eagerly he must see us mamma do not let him go all the way round to the hall door may we not walk across and meet him to be sure run forward fanny and when he sees you coming to him he will turn this way she was not mistaken fanny had not made three steps in advance of her mother before mr cartwright turned from the road and passing through a gate in the invisible fence joined her in a moment how kind this is of you said he as he drew near to appear thus willing to receive again an intruder whose quick return must lead you to suspect that you are in danger of being haunted by him and so i think you are miss fanny and i will be generous enough to tell you at once that if you greet me thus kindly i shall hardly know how to keep away from mowbray park but mamma is so glad to see you said fanny blushing beautifully that i am sure you need not try to keep away mrs mowbray now drew near to answer for herself which she did very cordially assuring him that she considered these friendly and unceremonious visits as the greatest kindness he could show her it will be long i think said she before i shall have courage sufficient to invite any one to this mournful and sadly altered mansion but those whose friendship i really value will i trust have the charity to come to us without waiting for an invitation i wish i could prove to you my dear madam replied mr cartwright with respectful tenderness how fervently i desire to serve you what surrounded by old and long-tried friends as you must be how can a newcomer and a stranger hope to be useful this was touching a very tender point and it is just possible that mr cartwright was aware of it as he was present at the reading of the will and heard sir gilbert harrington's first burst of rage on becoming acquainted with its contents but mrs mowbray had either forgotten this circumstance or feeling deeply disturbed at the fresh proof which helen had brought her of the falling off of an old friend was disposed to revert anew to it in the hope of moving the compassion and propitiating the kindness of a new one alas my dear sir she said feelingly even old friends will sometimes fail us and then it is that we ought to thank god for such happy accidents as that which has placed near us one so able and so kindly willing to supply their place as yourself fanny my love the business on which i have to speak is a painful one go to your sister dearest while i ask our kind friend's advice respecting this unhappy business good-bye then mr cartwright said fanny holding out her hand to him but perhaps i shall see you again as you go away for i shall be in the garden bless you my dear child said he fervently as he led her a few steps towards the shrubberies god bless and have you in his holy keeping 
what an especial blessing have you my dear friend he said returning to mrs mowbray in that charming child watch over her and guard her from all evil for she is one who if guided in that only path which leads to good will be a saving and a precious treasure to all who belong to her but if led astray alas the guilt that the downfall of so pure a spirit would entail on those whose duty it is to watch over her she is indeed an excellent young creature said the proud mother whose darling the lovely fanny had ever been but i think she wants less guiding than any child i ever saw and it has always been so she learned faster than she could be taught and her temper is so sweet and her heart so affectionate that i really do not remember that she has ever deserved a reprimand in her life may the precepts of her admirable mother ever keep her thus said mr cartwright as they seated themselves in the library into which they had entered but oh my dear lady know you not that it is just such sweet and gifted creatures as your fanny that the evil one seeks for his own nay look not thus terrified my excellent my exemplary friend look not thus terrified if it be thus as most surely it is think you that we are left without help to resist my dear my admirable mrs mowbray yours is the hand appointed to lead this fair and attractive being unspotted through the world if great awfully great as assuredly it is be the responsibility great unspeakably great will be the reward then tremble not dear friend watch and pray and this unmeasurable reward shall be yours mrs mowbray however did tremble but her trembling was accompanied by a sweet and well-pleased consciousness of being considered by the excellent man beside her as capable of leading this darling child to eternal happiness and glory the look the accent of mr cartwright went farther than his words to convince her that he believed this power to be hers and she gazed at him with something of the reverence and humble love with which catholics contemplate the effigies of the saints they worship but what was the business the painful business my poor friend upon which you wished to consult me before that vision of light had drawn all our attention upon herself what was it my dear mrs mowbray you wished to say to me i am hardly justified i fear mr cartwright thus early in our acquaintance in taking up your valuable time in listening to my sorrows and my wrongs but in truth i have both to bear and i have at this moment no friend near me to whom i can apply for advice how to proceed with business that puzzles almost as much as it distresses me may i then my dear sir intrude on your kindness for half an hour while i state to you the singular predicament in which i am placed were it not as most assuredly it is were it not dearest mrs mowbray a true and deep-felt pleasure to me to believe that i might possibly be useful to you it would be my especial and bounden duty to strive to be so for what are the ministers of the most high placed amidst the people wherefore are their voices raised so that all should hear them is it not my friend because their lives their souls their bodies are devoted to the service of those committed by providence to their care and trust me the minister who would shrink from this is unworthy utterly unworthy the post to which he has been called speak then dearest mrs mowbray as to one bound alike by duty and the most fervent goodwill to aid and assist you to the utmost extent of his power the great natural gift of mr cartwright was the power of making his voice his eye and the flexible muscles of his handsome mouth echo and as it were reverberate and reiterate every word he spoke giving to his language a power beyond its own what he now said was uttered rapidly but with an apparent depth and intensity of feeling that brought tears of mingled gratitude and admiration to the eyes of mrs mowbray after a moment given to this not unpleasing emotion she said 
it was from you mr cartwright if i remember rightly that i first heard the enactments of my husband's will when i give you my word as i now most solemnly do that i had never during his life the slightest knowledge of what that will was to be i think you will believe me believe you exclaimed mr cartwright is there on earth a being sufficiently depraved to doubt an assertion so vouched by you oh mr cartwright if all men had your generous and i will say just confidence in me i should not now be in the position i am but sir gilbert harrington the person most unhappily chosen by mr mowbray as joint executor with myself is persuaded that this generous will was made in my favour solely in consequence of my artful influence over him and so deeply does he resent this imputed crime that instead of standing forward as he ought to do as the protector and agent of his friend's widow he loads the memory of that friend with insult and oppresses me with scorn and revilings the more bitter because conveyed to me by my own child mrs mowbray wept mr cartwright hid his face with his hands and for some moments seemed fearful of betraying all he felt at length he fixed his eyes upon her eyes moistened by a tear and in a low deep voice that seemed to indicate an inward struggle he uttered vengeance is mine saith the lord he closed his eyes and sat for a moment silent then added perhaps of all the trials to which we are exposed in this world of temptation the obeying this mandate is the most difficult but like all uttered by its divine author it is blessed alike by its authority and its use without it my friend without it would not my hand be grappling the throat of your malignant enemy without it should i not even now be seeking to violate the laws of god and man to bring the wretch who can thus stab an angel woman's breast to the dust before her but thanks to the faith that is in me i know that his suspicious heart and cruel soul shall meet a vengeance as much greater than any i could inflict as the hand that wields it is more powerful than mine i humbly thank heaven for this and remembering it turn with chastened spirit from the forbidden task of punishing him to the far more christian one of offering aid to the gentle being he would crush was it indeed from the lips of your child my poor friend that these base aspersions reached you it was indeed mr cartwright and it was this which made them cut so deeply poor helen knew not what she was about when she secretly left her mother's roof to visit this man in the hope of restoring the families to their former habits of intimacy did helen do this said mr cartwright with a sort of shiver yes poor thing she did and perhaps for her pains may have won caresses for herself but by her own statement most reluctantly given certainly she seems to have listened to calumnies against her mother which i should have thought no child of mine would have borne to hear and again mrs mowbray shed tears gracious heaven exclaimed mr cartwright fervently clasping his hands dear tortured mrs mowbray turn your weeping eyes to heaven those drops shall not fall in vain it was your child a child nurtured in that gentle bosom who repeated to you this blasphemy oh fie 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 but let us not think of this at least not at this trying moment hereafter means must be taken to stay this plague-spot from spreading over the hearts of all whom nature has given to love and honour you your pretty gentle fanny she at least will not i think be led to listen to any voice that shall speak ill of you sweet child let her be near your heart and that will comfort you 
but alas my poor friend this maternal disappointment grievous as it is will not be all you have to bear from this wretch whom heaven for its good but inscrutable purposes permits to persecute you there must be business my dear mowbray business of great importance that this man must be immediately called upon to execute with you the proving the will for instance he must either do this or refuse to act would heaven he might refuse said mrs mowbray eagerly what a relief would this be to me mr cartwright do you think there would be any possibility of leading him to it of leading him certainly not for it is very clear from his conduct that whatever you appeared to wish that he would be averse to do your only hope of obtaining what would most assuredly be an especial blessing for you his formal renunciation of the executorship would i think be from writing to him immediately and imperatively demanding his joining you forthwith in proving the will in such a state of mind as he must be in before he would bear to utter his vile suspicions to your daughter i think it very likely he may refuse and what would happen then mr cartwright you must place yourself in the hands of a respectable lawyer totally a stranger and unconnected with him and he would put you in a way to prove it yourself after which he could give you no further trouble of any kind unless indeed your misguided children should continue to frequent his house and so become the means of wounding your ears and your heart by repeating his calumnies but this i trust the source of our wisdom and goodness will give you the power to prevent with your help and counsel mr cartwright i may yet hope to weather the storm that seems to have burst upon me but indeed it could hardly have burst upon any one less capable of struggling with it in what language should i write to this cruel man who has so undeservedly become my enemy there is no difficulty there my friend the shortest and most strictly ceremonious form must be the best mrs mowbray drew towards her materials for writing opened the portfolio which between its leaves of blotting-paper contained sundry sheets of wire-wove black-edged post placed one of them before her took a pen and curiously examined its tip dipped it delicately in the ink and finally turned to mr cartwright saying how very grateful i should be if you would have the great kindness to write it for me but the handwriting my dear lady must be yours oh yes i know but it would be so much more satisfactory if you would sketch the form then i am sure i will do it most readily he drew the paper to him and wrote mrs mowbray presents her compliments to sir gilbert harrington and requests to know on what day it will suit him to meet her and her lawyer in london for the purpose of proving her late husband's will at a doctor's commons the amount of the real property may be ascertained by the rent-roll that of the personal by means of papers left by the deceased and evaluation of the effects made by competent persons mrs mowbray begs leave to intimate that she wishes as little delay as possible to intervene before the completion of this transaction mr cartwright turned what he had written towards her saying this is the sort of letter which i should think it advisable to send mrs mowbray drew forth another sheet and transcribed it so rapidly that it might be doubted whether she allowed herself time to read it as she did so and this should be dispatched instantly should it not she said folding and directing it indeed i think so then will you have the kindness to ring the bell mr cartwright bring me a lighted taper john said mrs mowbray to the servant who entered and let thomas get a horse ready to take this letter immediately to oakley the taper was brought the letter sealed and delivered with instructions that the bearer was to wait for an answer this important business concluded mr cartwright rose to go saying 
you have filled my heart and my head so completely by the communication of sir gilbert haddington's conduct that i protest to you i do not at this moment recollect why it was i troubled you with a visit this morning i shall recollect it i dare say when i see you no longer and if i do you must let me come back before very long to tell you but whether you recollect it or not replied mrs mowbray in a plaintive tone i trust you will not let it be long before i see you otherwise mr cartwright i shall not know how to proceed when i receive sir gilbert's answer this appeal was answered by an assurance uttered in a tone of the most soothing kind that he would never be far from her when she wished him near and then with a pastoral and affectionate pressure of her hand he left her fanny kept her word and was walking up and down about a dozen yards from that end of the shrubbery which terminated in the road leading to the house mr cartwright looked in that direction as he stepped from the library window and walking quickly to the spot conversed with her for several minutes as she stood leaning over the gate fanny smiled blushed and looked delighted her hand too was pressed with affectionate kindness and mr cartwright returned to his vicarage and his early dinner End of chapter ten